Mario Saka. Welcome back to Always Arsenal with me, Andrew, back again to talk about another huge three points against Leicester this weekend. Uh, they're all huge now, aren't they? Um, to join me to break down the Leicester game is Tom. How are you doing, Tom? Very well, very well. Another three points and uh, more midweek madness to come. So looking forward to this chat. Mm. And also joined by Ollie, who's been off for a couple of weeks with a slight calf strain, I hear. So uh, back on the pod, Ollie. Good to see you again. Yeah, always looking forward, back stronger. <laughs> shaking off the uh shaking it off yeah you have you had a have you had a fitness test i passed the flying colors yeah yeah this morning yeah medical team yeah. that always asked and put you through your paces yeah uh, went up to colney yeah to, to me there's been a lot of ugly ugly one nil win headlines over the last few hours which i don't really agree with kind of annoying me a little bit because to me that really wasn't an ugly one nil um i managed to kind of watch it all this morning didn't i, I saw bits of it bits of it live on on the on the twitter streams and stuff but um it's not the same is it really um and then obviously watched it in in its fullness this morning which is a, obviously you get a bit of a different look at it um tom how about your view and experience and just general reflections on a, on a, obviously another massive three points after the villa game yeah no i wasn't there either um managed to find a, a good stream for the second half first half was very bitty uh so that was a shame but no look it was a, a huge three points you're right it wasn't lucky with that no, absolutely not it reminded me quite a lot of the Chelsea performance um complete control it was more dominant than that clearly we restricted um less to, to barely anything lowest xG recorded since xG stats started um but in in terms of the control and the fact that just because you win a one nil game one nil there's different one nils isn't there um there's like today or leads away now you know they're very they're the same scoreline very different performances, very different feelings during the match. Now, I was obviously nervous throughout the game because it's just a huge, they're all huge, as you said in your opener. Um, but it was, it was controlled, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And there's also another, another one nil, which is one nil to the Arsenal, isn't it? As well, which is uh, our own, yeah. our own little stamp on things, which was being belted out at full time. Those full time scenes, Ollie, um, it's all going on, on online, isn't it? It's gone viral. The, the, the Arteta clip with the, the Bane crowd just in front of him. Um, it reminded me of a, a pep celebration at Leicester a few years back that they had where they had a big win. It might have been a cup game, I'm not sure. And it was very similar, like with the City fans just kind of like, you know, glorifying um, Pep at the time. It's very, 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 very similar. Oli, your kind of reflections after, obviously, we looked at these two tough away games, didn't we, post-City? Um, and we were, you know, we were pretty much down on the floor after that City game. But what a couple of weeks has done... Um, your your just immediate kind of headline from it, I suppose. Yeah, I think sort of throughout this, um, just very much ticking the games down. That's the kind of mentality that I have now. But like Tom said, you know, there's different types of one nil, and by all accounts, we 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 dominated the game. And I think you're going to have to kind of go through these moments where you deserve to maybe get you know second or third, but. You just got to take 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 the three points and move on. You're one game nearer to potentially winning the title. So, yeah, I just think yeah, my my personal sort of mentality is yeah, there's one less game to play now. And it might sound quite negative, but <laughs> every every game's massive. So just yeah, I'm glad to sort of get past a, you know like a potential um, you know slip up. Um, but yeah, no, really happy. Well, well, you know, Le Leicester 
know, that, that defeat at Man United wasn't really the true reflection of how Leicester have turned things around of late. They've been in better form. I know Madison wasn't playing, which was, I'm sure we would all agree, we did a little fist pump like a, as that team news dropped um, because he's had such an influence on that Leicester side, particularly how they transition in attack. But um, Tom, you, you mentioned that you, com- you had a comparison there with the Chelsea game, which I thought was quite interesting because I, I drew the comparison this morning of the Brentford game with, with just without the threat. Um, yeah. Obviously, in that game, we went on to win 3-0 and completely dominated the game. You mentioned the XG. I think this was one of our lowest XGs of the season, I think, something like 0.6, something like that. Um, we with the, with the lineups, obviously, Trossard is a false nine. I kind of wanted to start with that, really, and the team news. What did you think when that came through? There was there was talk during the morning, wasn't there? You, I remember you uh, you dropped it in the group chat about Eddie particularly might not be starting. Um, yeah. What's your immediate reaction to that? Because I think Eddie probably needed a rest, but obviously playing a false nine comes with its own risks. It's one of those ones that it's all worked out all right because we won the game. I think the reality is it's still a risk at this point of the year. It's getting closer. We all know it's getting closer. I don't know about you guys. I'm personally refreshing Gabby Jesus's... Um, uh, Instagram daily to see like videos and photos of him in training hopefully you know back full t- full-time training so we cannot get him back soon enough that's just the reality um, however I-, I was okay to it I'm a little bit surprised he didn't try Martinelli up top and, and Trossard on the left you know f- for me personally but I think Trossard, uh, Trossard did well link up play was well um, dropped deep at the right time but then when he spread it he would you know he'd get back in the box I think I think he did. I think he did a good job. Obviously, he scored the goal that was ruled out. We can talk about that shortly. I'm sure we will. More varsical scenes um, across the Arsenal game. Two key instances with that and the the Saka um, foul, which wasn't given, which would have been a clear penalty. Um, so I think look, Trossard's done well since he's come in. Um, I, you know, you guys will know again from the group chat. I was underwhelmed when we signed him, and I've said previously on this pod less about him but more about the fact that we'd obviously been pursuing with Mudrick. Mudrick was obviously our first choice. Whether he's stinking up the place at Chelsea or not, he was our first choice. We've got Trossard in. But he's done a job for us, and he's been, he's proven very useful and versatile. Reality is, squad's important, and when you are a thin squad like us, versatility's key. So I was a little nervous and apprehensive when I saw that lineup. but we've obviously gone and done the job. Um, I just wanted to say before we deep dive on the game in itself, the cold reality is... This is it's a, it's born from 19 years without the title. Post that City defeat, having obviously stuttered a bit against Everton and Bournemouth and uh, sorry Brentford, um, these two if these two games went differently, we would have felt very differently. We could have you know United could have been on our net, they're breathing down our necks. Um, we've steadied the ship now, and I'm very confident now, very confident that no matter what happens in the reign of the season, we're going to stay the course. Now, stay the course doesn't mean you go and win it. But there was a feeling that the, if these two games went badly on the back of the City loss, we could have crumbled a little bit, you know. And I'm, and I'm not saying we'd have finished 7th, 8th. Obviously, we've just amassed so many points. We'd have still secured top four. But we could have been 10, 12 points off the title by the end of the year. And these two wins have been huge for me because it, it's convinced me we stay the course now. Whether we win the title or not, we'll see. Yeah, there's the, the key word in around the club and also just in our own sort of conversations over the last week or 10 days has been stabilised um, and we, we called for that defensively and I think just stabilising the fan base as well like Tom mentions there Ollie about you know obviously the feeling around that City game afterwards and if these two games had gone wrong then yeah like I, I, I completely agree um, and I don't think any fan can underestimate that Jorginho 
slash Martinez own goal at Villa because I think that we will look back on this season regardless of where we finish and say that was the moment that that kind of did stabilise us. It's just that obviously this weekend with that really convincing 1-0 win at Leicester is part of us, I guess, getting out of that rut. We're not, we're not clicking completely at the moment. I thought we actually played really well in spurts on Saturday, actually, that first half. Particularly, we can, we can sort of delve into that now, Ollie. Um, what were your what were your thoughts on how the first half panned out? Obviously, Tom mentioned the frustration with the VAR calls. Um, what what, were you, what was your thinking around the VAR? Because I actually thought the more I've seen it, the more it is a foul from Ben White. Yeah, absolutely. No complaints with that, to be honest. Um, when I watched the game back, I struggled to see, well, originally from the first angle, I, I didn't see where the, where the infringement was. But... Um, yeah, when you when you look back on it, yeah, I, I, if that went against us, I'd be I'd be fuming. Um, it's the Ramsdale oh, against Villa at the beginning of the season, it. isn't it? It's it does go against consistency, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think one thing, especially with with that with that VAR decision, what um, kind of sprung to mind was that they were so quickly able to get that angle, whereas quite often with these contentious VAR decisions, you only see one angle, and you know. God forbid that um, the VAR official doesn't draw lines potentially. Like maybe that could happen <laughs> at one point. Um, but with with the Saka one, I just failed to see how he's not even you know stopped to check or you know uh, they, they did check it, but um, you know how they're not given more time to kind of consider that one because you know the defender gets up and <laughs> he's waiting for the whistle to go. The defender knows he's committed the foul. Um, and even by his own reaction, you, you can kind of think, well, that gives it away at least. But yeah, uh, first one, yeah, I agree with, but the, the second one was baffling. Mm. For me, the interesting bit of the first one is not not whether it is a foul, because it probably is a foul. The, the, the point you raise is two points for me. One is consistency, because I think those sort of fouls happen on keepers all the time. And they don't get looked at, you know. Um, and the secondly is the ref doesn't see it at all. So again, it comes back to that clear and obvious error thing. So to your point, Ollie, it's amazing that the goal was given. I mean, Ward semi-complains to the ref that he's being held, but basically Leicester aren't making a big song and dance about it. They think they're 1-0 down. Yeah, they, they, they think they're 1-0 down. No one's really thinking there's been an issue. And yet suddenly they find the right camera angle and it's disallowed quite quickly. And I'm like, it's amazing that the consistency... Now you could just say, okay, that's far doing their job. They did a job, but they found it quickly. And it was a free kick. But it's just it's just interesting, again, that consistency piece, clear and obvious error stuff. Look, and the Saka one for me is just, it's, just, it's a clear, clear foul. So clear. I mean, it's, what, what, like, it's like Ming's throwing him to the ground. Did it at home. And he literally picks him up and throws him to the ground. And like Alan Shearer said, I think, in his breakdown, when he said, it doesn't matter whether the defender slipped there or it's an accident. He's taken Saka out. He's just, he's just fumbled into him and fallen. Like, it's just a clear penalty. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'm just, the more and more that VAR sort of beds down in the game, the more and more I dislike it in a way, because basically you think it's going to be iron out these sort of crinkles with the delivery of it. But it's the same stuff every week. For, for me, technology in football is great if it's automated and it's instant, i.e. over the goal line. And there's talk with the World Cup one of the offline, offside rather, which when, when eventually you have the technology to automate it on the spot sec- within seconds rather than drawing lines and pathetic or not drawing lines as Ollie says um, you know it, the moment they can do that because they will be able to do that very soon let's have that as well because it's automated it's perfect but until then 
Well, and also some. I'm convinced some of these lines look like they're just being made, like they're just being drawn at the at that moment in time by the yeah. whoever's the VAR. You know, it's how how trustworthy are these lines in the first place? You know, um, and then obviously Martinelli's Martinelli's is the VAR call for the offside there, um, which was narrow. I mean, you know my views, guys, on the offside rule. I just think it needs looking at because you know when when we're talking, you know, hairs or toenails, I just don't think that's an advantage really in the first place. Um, I, I did was mentioned earlier about the comparisons actually with the the Brentford game, and I guess the those parallels were sort of drawn out of the fact when when I watched when I rewatched this this morning, not rewatched it, but when I watched it for the first time this morning in full. The first five, 10 minutes and Brendan Rogers, I don't know if you've seen any of his comments they've been going around doing the rounds on Twitter today, sort of his press conference about the quality and the, the level that Arsenal were playing at. Um, and I wanted to get your, your guys' take on this really because I think when you're out there on the pitch, obviously things feel differently, don't they? They feel very raw. And the way we started that game yesterday was very similar to the Brentford one. And you, you, almost, you almost kind of beat the team down mentally from the get-go in terms of the technical level that we were playing at like the passing and the movement for the first five six minutes Leicester were almost like blimey like this this is we I don't think we can cope with this and they almost sat off us and, and I think Brentford did that as well I think Brentford would have had a game plan Brentford wouldn't 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 have had a game plan to sit off Arsenal in the first 10 minutes but by doing this precise quick passing particularly like how City can obviously in their prime you almost, you almost like, you know, giving teams that kind of headache straight away and they're thinking, what do we do? And I think that's what Brendan Rodgers was getting at. They never, they never managed to kind of get a hold on us at any point in that game, even in the last five minutes or so, which we'll obviously talk about later. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, really, um, guys, in terms of like this sort of level of control that we're, you know, able to exert on teams now. You know, we're you're not. They're not beaten. They're not beaten before the game starts, as such. But um, you know, you it, it, it's it's again we're getting to those city levels of quality. And I think Pep said something after we played them that you know, well after the Brentford game when they sat in deep and stuff, and he's like, Arsenal will get used to this now because they are that good. And that's the challenge they'll face every week is that teams will sit back in awe a little bit and just not be able to live with the quality. Um, we, what we've not done. Uh, and Ollie, I'll be keen to get your thoughts, is what we've not done is put together both ends of the pitch for a while now. Now, I'm, you know, I thought the quality was there, the control was there. We were levels. I think they were obviously probably worried that they wouldn't be able to create themselves. I, I'm still looking, really looking forward, as we all are, to uh, Gabby coming back because it just feels like we have either end working at the moment. And hopefully the run of home games we have coming up will enable us to get both facets two-way going because I felt the control was there. I felt the patterns were there. I was quite pleased to see that even with Trossard going false nine, um, the patterns were the same. We were playing good stuff. Essentially the stuff we played all season. I remember, um, I think it was either speaking to you, um, Andrew, or texting you after the West Ham game when we came back from the World Cup. And I was so happy that it wasn't a dream and that the patterns were still the same as the quality. And they've been there all season and they were there again. Yeah, I'll just add to that, Tom. Um, you're talking about the putting it together at sort of both ends of the pitch. I'd arguably say, whilst we beat United, I'd say probably we haven't done that as well, maybe since Tottenham away. Uh, 
potentially, although we did, you know, surrender a few chances there, um, but ultimately got the win. Um, I think what's important now with, with these home games coming up is naturally teams are going to sit back because they'll have a game plan to try and attack us in spurts. However, I think, like you say, after the first five minutes, if we're popping it around like we did at Leicester, then naturally you'll, you'll retreat. Teams will retreat and say, okay, well, we'll camp in, see if we can get a draw and, you know, move on. But I suppose it's, you probably could call it privilege pressure. You know, you know, we've earned the right to have teams, you know, come to the Emirates and you know, want to camp in and, and sit back. Whereas maybe a couple of seasons previous, they'd be coming there thinking they could, you know, comfortably get the three points. So, yeah, I, th- I think it, it all comes, you know, we, we, should, we should be, you know, <laughs> whilst the nervous times, we should be um, kind of reveling in it, to be honest. Hmm. You go in at halftime at nil-nil and, at that point, obviously, I was constantly sort of refreshing my live score during that first half, and the stats were going up and up and up on our side, and then theirs was just on zero pretty much the whole the whole half, um, which was uh, yeah, it's got we've sort of become used to that, haven't we? Really, in terms of the possession stats, the amount of passes completed, corners, etc., um, and then obviously straight out straight after half time, Tom, a feature of our play actually this season, the amount of goals we've scored before the hour mark um, after a half time team talk and Gabby. Gabby obviously gets in a nice little ball from Trossard and then uh, one nil up, hopefully. And it, he had a bit of an injury, didn't he? And luckily he was all right. It's a hugely important goal to score so soon there because no matter how much we had controlled the game we had, no how much we how much we were limiting them and we were, we are in a title race now. You know, we can't call it anything else. There's only 14 games left. And the pressure in these games won't be normal pressure. So if it had got to 65, 70, 75 minutes, still deadlock. Even if we'd been not, you know, walking, you know, walk, you know, even if we'd been complete control, they couldn't get a sniff. The pressure would would really ramp them, and to get a goal so soon after the break in a couple of minutes is is perfect. It really is. A little bit of a, I don't know. People have said it's a great ball. I think for me, it's, it's a bit of a clearance from Gabriel um, into the channel. the channel, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those. What I think is, it's a controlled clearance. It's not. It's not a hoof it anywhere, but it's also not a picked out pass it's a controlled clearance i'll find a channel hopefully hit my man yeah and he obviously has hit his man um trossard again tidy footwork lovely little megs for the ball deserve um you know perfectly weighted as well which so he doesn't have to break striker and martinelli uh very unselfish i'm afraid because i just love the guy very unselfish Saka could tap it in and take the goal himself he's not offside uh could easily just take the goal and keep his stats rolling but lets it roll in which is nice yeah you're right Martinelli takes a clattering a step on luckily he's able to shake it off you and I were talking earlier that we've been very lucky that since the Gabby Jesus injury we've not and we know we've 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 you know Partey's been out recently as well but what we've not is had we've not had compound injuries in the same area of the pitch so Jesus has been out for a while but during this stretch Eddie Gabby Martinelli and Sakovic stayed fit the whole run. Mm. We, and obviously, you, you know, you'd be very unlucky to have two serious injuries in the same area of the pitch, but they've not even had like two weeks out with a slight hamstring. You know, they've been fit the whole way. And obviously, touch wood, we're very nearly having Hazes back. Um, so we've not had compound in- injuries to the same area of the pitch. So it's good to see him shake it off. Very, very important to get that goal. And again, fresh, uh, um, you know, every time Leicester had the ball in our half, you're a fan, so you're automatically thinking, oh no, oh no. But the reality is they literally created nothing. 
um, you know, Dewsbury Hall effort, 25 yards out, fairly comfortably wide. That's it. Yeah, they, even the ghost of Jamie Vardy, 40 yeah, times a day, 10 exactly, years. Yeah. They make a lot of changes, don't they? At sort of they they made they, they made all their changes fairly early, Leicester, um, to sort of try and swing things. But at no point, I said this earlier, at no point did they show any. I think we were, you mentioned about the title race pressure earlier, and I think we were aided a little bit by the lack of fight that Leicester kind of showed, really. There was just no purpose in their play whatsoever. Um, and you, th- you thought it would come, get to 80, it's going to come, get to 85, still not coming. Um, but, but, but I do think that um, we mentioned the, you know, that word stabilised earlier, and I think it was very much needed. I thought Gabriel, again, Ollie, was an absolute man mountain at the back. Um, I mean that obviously that clip ball down the side was was definitely just a a, a clearance down an aim, an aimed clearance shall we say to to someone on the left hand side which happened to be Trossard but defensively again just an absolute rock. Yeah, he's been very impressive lately. Um, where Saliba's not necessarily been at his best, I think Gabriel's definitely has been. Um, but but you talk about fine margins and with that Gabriel clearance, if he's a split second later to that ball because he does hesitate and mm. then makes a you know a, a, a controlled clearance but if he's a split second there Iniacho's through so they're just the very fine margins that we're mm. playing with and I think where we play with such a high line I think it shows the confidence that we have to kind of execute that that way of playing it's mm. not for a couple of games here and there it's it's consistent that that line is so high and it gives you know opposition kind of nowhere to go they either have to hit it in behind us and, you know, Ramsdale was probably best goalkeeper in the Premier League, you know, mopping up. Um, so, yes, but Gabriel, yeah, absolutely at, at the forefront of that. And I think it's, um, so, I mean, I don't know about you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit tired of the Jorginho parte sort of online debate, really, because it's almost going over ground that we just sort of know about already. At the end of the day, we know what these players are about. But we've been watching Jorginho for such a long time, obviously in the Premier League at top level, Partey the same. They're completely different players. I think we just have to accept that. Like, and instead of sort of saying, you know, oh, Jorginho can't run back like Partey. Well, yeah, but that's not rocket science. Um, I'd, what I would like to do is focus on a lot of the stuff that Jorginho is bringing to the side at the moment, because I really do think that he's bringing an element of control. And when 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 I when I say that, that that doesn't mean Partey doesn't bring control because I think that's what straight away people jump on. But he's bringing an element of control to this team and calmness in possession that I do wonder. And I've been thinking about this or through the day. I do wonder even if Partey is back fit, and I think Partey comes back to this team in my opinion if I'm selecting. But if I'm Arteta. I do wonder if he's going to find it really hard to pull Jorginho out of this title running. Um, we brought, he brought him in for a reason, for his experience, his know-how. Um, he's played at the top level in huge football matches. And I just wonder if Arteta is going to find it difficult to manage that situation with him and Partey. Because I don't think they can play together. Partey isn't a left eight, even though he came on in like an eight roll near the end. He was just, it was literally a five-minute job. Um, Tom. Partey back in, obviously, in your opinion, for sure. But what do you think about that? That take on it's a good, it's a good, it's a good question. It's um, what I think he could be useful for is look, look at let's look at the next five league games. You know, I've banged down about them in the group chat a lot of times. For me, they they are almost title defining in the in the sense that we need to put the run together now. 
you know, if we're going to put a run together, it's going to happen in the next five games. Um, on paper, they are not teams that are going to be coming to win at the Emirates. Four of those games are four of those games out of the five are at home. Everton, Bournemouth, uh, Palace, and Leeds all at home. They're not going to be coming to win. And with the greatest respect to all those teams, and including Fulham with the away game in the middle of those run, they're not teams that are technically going to be as good as gifted as Arsenal. They're going to be sitting deep. They are going to need progressive, fantastic passing, which Jorginho brings. We, there might be games where it's still nil-nil at an hour gone. We need calm heads, which Jorginho brings. If we're playing a huge game away at Anfield tomorrow, even though Liverpool are looking rubbish at the moment, at Anfield tomorrow, you need your best 11 players to play and Thomas Party has to play because we just will need the level to be that high to compete and win the game. And the reality is we missed that against City, for example. You know, that, 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 that level we need. But whether it's Jorginho or Party, our level should be, should be on paper good enough to win the next five games. So then what you want is you want calm heads. You want a man to pick a pass. You want all of those things, which Jorginho does bring. So I think there is an argument to say that in the next 14 games, I can absolutely see a case for, for Arteta picking and choosing when he plays either of them. I think you're right. I don't think they play together unless it's, unless maybe in touch with this is the case. Maybe there's a few games we go free for free nil up in, in that home little home run. Why not take off Odegaard, save his legs? Why not take off Shaka? You know, you can go a bit more defensive, a bit more, a bit more resolute. Mm. Um, but I know I've sat on the fence there with the answer there. I basically think there's a role for both of them to play. You know, my opinion sitting here right now. There are things on the football pitch that Thomas Partey can do, which Jorginho just cannot, especially at his age, you know, and defensively, I don't think will be as good. If we're playing teams, I know we don't play them anymore because we've done, we've done the games. If we're playing like a Spurs tomorrow, I would, I would hate to see that game with Jorginho, to be honest with you. Yeah. However, with the home games to come, there are a lot of qualities that I think Jorginho brings that will be useful. Yeah, I mean, and the reason I say that is that two, two reasons, actually, two reasons, Ollie. One being that this might be a crucial part of the period of the season where we know how Partey's seasons tend to finish, right? We know the story. He gets to a point and then he starts to struggle and misses games. We've been, we've been hurt by it in the past. So there's that reason. Perfect to be able to mix and match, like Tom said there, maybe. Pick games where you can play Jorginho. Pick games where you can bring on Partey, start Partey. Um, and, and also, the second reason is I want that last 10 minutes, when you watch that back for that Leicester game, the housery, the housery, the going down, the, the head injuries, calming it down, slowing, slowing the Leicester kind of momentum at vital moments, talking to just having little words with people in their ears. This stuff, the, full, the, the small factor stuff is what that wins, you, wins you things, doesn't it? Wins you trophies. Like We've just watched Man United today play quite, I thought they were quite average. Yeah, throughout that game, who are the key players? Varane, Casemiro. Been there and done it. Been there and done it, got the T-shirt. And Jorginho is the same. One other thing we have to think about with Jorginho as well, I don't, never won a league title? Never won the Premier no. League, has he? Look, so no. this, is, this is a guy who's also got that hunger as well. And, and I, do, I do think it's going to be a really interesting selection um, headache, which I don't think we would have said two weeks ago, quite frankly, Ollie. 
no, I think, yeah, Tom's point is exactly right. I think it will be a selection based on the opposition um, and what the opposition offer. Um, and again, that's probably a really nice position to be in, really. Um, yes, they, they offer different things. Um, it's just a shame, really, that, um, you know, we could give Xhaka a rest and play the two together. But I just can't really see, I think, playing the two together um, in that kind of double pivot would kind of knock 20-30% off each other's games, really. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, with, with the next kind of five games that we have for being at home, I don't think Arteta will be in a position where he'll feel that he needs to rush party back mm. because of how well George Jr. has done. Mm. And you know, that's positive. But um, I do think if both are 100% fit, I think party comes back in. Mm. I, I think With, after back. 60 minutes, yeah, after 60 minutes, if it isn't working, I can see them, you know, interchanging. He, he, he loves Virginia, but the other thing to mention is they are, you know, part of the reason most Arsenal fans, I'd say 95% of Arsenal fans, didn't like the transfer is also the age profile. So I think we also have to reality is Jorginho is not going to play every single game because he won't be able to physically. I, I think if he's fit, I think party definitely plays midweek against Everton. Mm-hmm. Because Jorginho's just played three in a row and at, what, 31, 32? Mm. So the reality is we're probably going to need both of them. We know Partey's fragile physically and Jorginho is shot physically. <laughs> I don't think the shot is unfair, but he's, he's never quick anyway and he's getting slower because of his age profile. I definitely think what Jorginho's convinced me in the last two or three weeks is that there's a role for him to play. And I think against the home teams that we need to break down passing... I'd absolutely be comfortable seeing him line up. I think if you, and we, we all know what they are, if you look down the fixture list for the 14 games left, there's five or six you really, really fancy. There's, there's three or four which are tough games, but we should win if we turn up. And then we've got four or five really, really tough games to come. Yeah. In all of those really tough games, I want to see Thomas Partey playing because it's kind of one of those things where for me, um, we, when we've played our best stuff this year, He's been integral to that. And I think we'll need our best stuff in some of those big games, our best, best stuff. Um, however, there's a role to play. I really think your point about the soft factor stuff is really important. Uh, the shit to get over the lines, the play acting, the time wasting. You know, we look, I've been infuriated with some of the time wasting the last few weeks when we've been chasing games against Brentford and Villa. However, Maybe we we could do a bit of that. We could we could you know no one loved Thierry Henry more than when he went in the corner flag. We all did. We all bloody loved it. Yeah. So the reality is there is a place for it. He's a serial winner, Champions League winner, European um, you know European Championships winner, serial winner. He'll know how to get close games out. This also Italian know how to close games out. I know it's a cliche, yeah. um, but for me, to, I think all being equal. In a game, Arteta sitting there saying we have to play our best stuff today. Thomas Party plays, um, but I think there'll be a few more starts for Jorginho yet, even if Party's fit. And I, I think it's all about game state as well, really. You know, that there's it's, it's a different kettle of fish when you are wanting to put out your most silkiest eleven that are going to just go and destroy someone in October. You know, but when you are playing league games that we, you know, we haven't experienced these games for years and years, like and. It's very different to going to a Fulham in late March, for example, um, than 
when you're playing them in October or November. And I just think that Jorginho is going to bring that element that I, I will not care one bit if every game to the rest of the season, we are wasting time for the last 10 minutes and we're winning one. I don't, I don't care now. And, and it's the, it's the Fergie business end of the season, isn't it? And, um, oh yeah, completely. And I think there'll be loads of those games points. to come. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think for me personally, the big games, mm. we won't be able to get over the line with now. So we'll have to play well as well. And I think our best stuff will come when Thomas Party's playing, because otherwise we'll just get outplayed. That's the other thing. Um, I think we've got someone. I think we've got someone. Actually, I, personally, I think we've got someone that we can we can at least trust that will come in and do a good job. But like, yeah, I, I said at the beginning, like no one's comparing Partey and Jorginho here. Like, you know, it's. Um, I just think we haven't got an El Nenny on the bench. Put it that way. Well, I think as well. Maybe Arteta might look at Jorginho as being like a like a closer of matches, like a finisher yeah. of matches, very similar to like how they do in rugby. Like a lot of, a lot of roles where they know it's very unlikely they're going to start, mm. but they know their role is to come on at 50 minutes, 55 minutes mm. and close that game out. And That's I think the way, because... yeah. So I, I was just going to say Tom, the, the, the way football is being played so progressively, I think there is a role in the future for to have, uh, specialists that are finishers of games. You know, except they'll start on the bench. Yeah, there will be also roles for, and we're going to get, we won't get sidetracked because I still want to talk about that. But there'll be roles for starters as well. There's, with five subs, you can have a player that every week will only play the first twenty-five minutes, but they'll come and they'll sprints. They'll do some sprints or some high-energy pressing for twenty-five minutes only, and then they'll be brought off because that's the game will just evolve to really understand the five sub rule. But to your point about the coming on closing at 50, 55 minutes, I think that's crucial for one point I wanted to make tonight is that we saw Man City after our win go and win very comfortably. Now that's to be expected. Bournemouth, you know, Bournemouth aren't great. The league table doesn't lie. And the reality is after the slip up against Forest the chances of them doing two slip-ups like that in a row were very slim because Pep would have, you know, the whole squad would have been very aware of that. So they were always likely to be on it. But the point I wanted to make was how nice would it have been for Pep Guardiola and that City squad to know at 60 minutes the game was done. We are going to need some of those. You know, everyone's talking about every game's huge. It's 14 cup finals. That's, that is obviously true. They're all huge games. We cannot afford 14, 90-minute nail-biters because... You know, football is a human. Football is football. Is football. There will be errors. There'll be mistakes. There'll be luck that goes against us if, if, if all 14 games are that knife edge. You know, even the Leicester game, we're 1-0 up, we're coasting. What if someone takes a pot block shot from 30 yards, it ricochets off, in, off a back heel, it's going in one way and it hits someone a heel and it goes in the other because that can happen in football. We've all seen those kind of goals go in. Um, the reality is, if you're free for up, that doesn't matter. So, of course, in these 14 games, they're going to be tough. But I'm looking at the next five, and I'd love at least two or three of those to just coast in those games, win them comfortably. And those those games, rotate, run the changes, bring on Jorginho at 50 minutes, hopefully with are free up. We're going to need two or three for me. I don't know how you guys feel, but we're not going to be able to have 14 knife-edge games. We're going to need two or three easy wins in the, in the mix. Mm. Yeah. And and I think what what we've got in the what we've got in the group now with obviously Jorginho and the two City boys is we've got people that are going to be able to help us get over that line because um, yeah. that's going to be one line that's going to be hard to cross, isn't it? For, not just as a fan base, but also as a group of players because they're very young. And I think that there's going to be definitely moments in this running where someone like a Jorginho is going to be needed, you know, 
um, and come up with crucial moments like he did against Villa. Um, but yeah, obviously, hopefully Partey returns Wednesday night. We might as well just kind of transition to that now, really. Um, I can see Partey potentially coming in and for Jorginho and, and Eddie coming back in for Trossard, I believe. Um, I think Martinelli will keep his place on the left-hand side with obviously Saka on the right. Um, I think Saka will play you. I think he might give him a chance. Yeah, I think might, might give him a run out. I mean, he needs, to get, he needs to get some points on Wednesday for FPL. But um, yeah, I think um, I, I think it would hopefully it will do it would have done Eddie good as well. Just had that little bit of rest for the Leicester game because he's had a very intense six seven weeks, Eddie. You know, like incredibly intense. Something he's never been he's never had to do in his life really. And um, uh, I, I just well. well, and I just worry that. Um, he gets burnt out. Obviously, we've got Jesus coming back, which is kind of perfect timing in a way. Um, but I will have my eyes close, closely peeled on um, on Eddie on Wednesday night because I do feel at times that he doesn't necessarily show, I guess, the maybe it's just the small factor stuff that I'm looking for, the body language at times. But I want him to come out on Wednesday night and put in a performance like he did against United and Spurs, Ollie. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was a bit of a passenger Aston Villa to be honest um, but yeah he might just need it like, like, like Tom said it's, it's not only physical you know physically draining it's also mentally draining as well and you know it's the first time he's probably seen himself in a position like this playing you know week in week out for the last what 10 weeks roughly um, so yeah so I definitely expect him to him to start on, on Wednesday um, yeah cool. and I fancy yeah. I fancy goal from Eddie I fancy goal on from Eddie on the front foot Mm-hmm. Front foot would need to go, do a goal. I think, I think he's done a very good job. He came in under the ridiculous pressure where most people, not Arsenal fans, but a lot of the press were saying Arsenal cooked. Now they were going to crumble after the World Cup anyway, and now their main man, main strikers out, and now Jesus is out. They're definitely going to go. And let's be honest, Eddie came in on fire. And yeah, the last three or four weeks he struggled, but then we did. We did against Everton. We did against Brentford. We did against City. We as a collective struggled, and you know, and he showed that. He's not, he's not a difference maker when the whole team is struggling. He's not going to stand up and be elite and drag us through those games because he's not good enough. But he's still done a very good job. I expect him to come back into the side, might nick a goal. Against Villa, like you said, it wasn't his best game. But the reality is his attributes were still great in respect of he presses late on in that game. Let's be honest, bar the 93rd minute drama that we had, yeah, we were all sitting here now and talking about one of our best players of the season potentially costing us the title, which is Martin Odegaard with an unbelievable miss. But how does that miss come about? It comes about because Eddie does incredible pressing, wins the ball, which is what Eddie's about in pressing, presses the ball, wins the ball, and he puts it on a plate and Martin Odegaard screws that wide. But somehow he screws that wide. Yeah, and I bloody love Martin Odegaard. But that moment could have defined our running. Yeah, because but it, but Eddie created that chance. So I'm, look, I'm an Eddie and Ketia fan. We know what he isn't but I think he's still going to be well, like we said earlier like you said Andrew the squad is going to be important and we're going to need another two or three goals from Eddie and Ketu in the running you know you, you look across the squad now and you look at where are the goals going to come from to win us games here we're going to we need to win 10 maybe 11 I personally think 10 wins and a couple of draws would see us home to the title so in that run Saka's going to have to come in with 5 or 6 Martinelli 4 or 5 Jesus 4 or 5 Maybe Eddie's going to pop up with two or three, Trossard two or three, and they're all going to have to pitch in. And so we're going to need these players. Like I said a, a minute ago, we're going to need to win a couple of games easier because we can't have all these knife-edge games. Um, 
We're going to need a couple of home wins to come up. And hopefully Wednesday is one of them. We know the tactics that she's going to go for. Um, but an early goal for us completely throws that out. And I think then it could be an easy night. So I'd be really hoping we start strong and get a goal in the first half hour. Yeah, and then the reason I mentioned, um, obviously, eyes on Eddie on Wednesday night, if he does start, is because I thought it was probably his worst performance um, since he's been in the team at, at Goodison Park now. Obviously, the team the team obviously didn't really turn up very well that day, but Tarkowski and Cody could have had an easier afternoon, and it's your job as a striker to um, cause havoc, which we've got one Brazilian who's kind of coming back from injury who definitely would have caused havoc that day. Um, and, I, and I think Eddie, Eddie is a goal scorer, um, and if you're not scoring goals... As, uh, as regularly as I'd like him to be, then you need to be offering other things. And I just think at times he doesn't necessarily do that. I mean, you mentioned obviously the closing down concert, who I think defending was left to be desired really there. But, you know, he obviously, he, he's not he's not doing enough of that, you know. And, and I think he's needed that little rest against Leicester and hopefully comes back into the team on, um, on Wednesday night against a deep, deep block, a deep, deep block. Um, which will be, you know, parking the bus stuff, won't it? I'm sure Dyche will. We know, there's no frills. We know what's, what's going to come. Um, and I think it poses a very interesting challenge for a, for a team that we are waiting for them to click in an attacking sense. Um, because I think the way that Everton will set up will, will cause all sorts of problems for us to do that. Um, I actually can see another kind of like narrow win on Wednesday night. I think we'll be obviously dominant. Um, but the way Everton will play... Um, I, I think it will be quite close in terms of the scoreline. Um, I'd like another clean sheet because I think clean sheets in terms of winning leagues are, ne- are just a necessity, really. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that will be how I think the game will pan out on Wednesday. Um, we know how Burn- we know how, how Burnley. <laughs> it, 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 it could be Burnley, couldn't it, really? Um I think that's the, the, it's quite a predictable setup for them. What, what do we fancy? We don't do this, and it's not a beholden's thing. But what, what do we fancy score prediction? What do you fancy Wednesday, Ollie? I'll go one 0 I think it's going to be very tight. I really wouldn't be surprised if Daesh names the same team that beat us in January. If Calvert Lewin's fit, <laughs> I think is you know exactly what you're going to get with them, and mm. we just have to be a bit cuter and hopefully being at home. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the talk is that he's um he won't make it um DCL. I think uh, if we go one nil up, I can't see them opening up. I think they'll open up maybe for the last ten minutes. I really can't see them chasing the game. I, I think I think two nil. I think not a runaway win, but if we can score in the first half, I think we'll, then we'll get another fairly late on in a dominant game. But it's just whether we're able to to get that early breakthrough. You know, um, but that's what it would, that's what we'll face in the next few weeks. Again, the next the next five games, maybe with the exception of Fulham away, they're games that I also can't see the opposition scoring more than once in because they're four home games against Everton, Bournemouth, Palace, Leeds. Now I know I keep on saying that, but the reality is, if we're at home against those four teams, you fancy ourselves to score twice or more. You will, we should be demanding that of ourselves as a team. And if we do that, we will win the games because I can't see us conceding more than once against those teams. You can always concede a goal in football because it's football. City conceded, 
against against you know annoyingly because I had Edison in my FPL by that point I, I'd much rather see it got stuff 3-0 but by the time they'd already won the game I was like well, we might as well keep a clean sheet here for my FPL points but alas that didn't happen um but what I mean by that is that if, if we're sharp enough in the front end uh, at the front end of the pitch I can't see the next few home games causing as much problems at the other end yeah mine would be 2-0 um and 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 I'd like, I'd like those two goals to be like quite early um, for the heart rate, yeah. um, obviously. But um, Everton, Everton are very physical. They're a tall side, particularly in midfield. Um, and and, and uh, I would obviously that adds to the kind of need for Partey to return for me. Um, I mentioned I said that on Twitter earlier. I think I do think that Partey is going to be needed up against obviously Onana and Gay and Iwobi's no slouch yeah. either physically. Um, so yeah, I would. I think I would worry more about Jorginho in this sort of game. And I do. I do wonder actually. I this. I, I was thinking about this earlier when we were talking about the sort of Partey Jorginho thing. Is that in home games there tends to be a little bit more chaos, and I think it's because of the atmosphere. Obviously, a lot of home games have been a little bit more sort of um, intense and dramatic, shall we say? And I think that's where Partey. Um, is obviously incredibly useful because of his physique to be able to get get across the ground and carry. Whereas Jorginho, as we saw in the City game, can get caught out if he sort of tries to go in to press and intercept and then doesn't get it. At least Partey can do like what I said. At least he can do that the other way. Um, and I think against an Everton midfield that are very physical, his his presence is going to be badly needed in there. Um, it was nice to see Arsenal central midfielder Declan Rice score a good goal on the weekend. Um, Another good game. Another good game. I think, obviously, tongue in cheek with that tongue in cheek with that statement. But I do think, having seen Jorginho come in and having seen another season where parties is missing crucial games, um, we we'll, we will go out this summer and spend a lot of money on us in the midfielder, and I think that's I think that's absolutely needed um, because. I don't want to keep him going through this. The uh, the the worry about fitness and our centre midfield areas. I fancy as Wednesday two and a little. I agree. And then we move on. The other reason I think I want those goals to come early is while saying early, uh, we can't keep on winning games really tight late on and exerting physical and mental energy because we've got another game three games later. You know this this is the other thing that you've got another game every three or four days. We'll have a game now because of the league and Europa being back. You know and. That's the other massive advantage about winning games early is the mental and physical fatigue. If we're 2-0 up, 3-0 up on Wednesday, 60 minutes, take off Odegaard, take off Saka, take off Xhaka, whoever you need to. Partey. You know, take off Partey. Mm. Bring on Jorginho, bring on your closer. You know, we will not be able to go through the mill, not just as fans, because I can't go through the mill for 14 games straight, but as a team, we need to be able to win... Every three or four league games, they need there needs to be a cruise amongst them, because otherwise we will blow ourselves out. Yeah, and this is the after the the two tricky assignments that we've just faced on the road, purely down to loss of momentum, and also you know, not not easy places to go in terms of context. Um, this is the start of a run of games that we've had our eye on since the City game, really, to be able to put some points on the board and rack them up. Um, just before we finish, chaps, we've got Gestaguna, haven't we? A fan's favourite, proper fan's favourite, this one. Right, for listeners who are taking part, if you can try and beat Ollie and Tom to this, it's, yeah, does what it says on the tin, really, guess the Gooner. I will run through a list of clubs that a previous Gooner has played for um, 
quickest accurate answer needed as always right boys cologne by munich Podolsky. Podolsky. Poldy. Poldy. Do you know what? As the you cleanest cologne, striker of the ball. That's, that's why I said fans' favourite. As soon as you said clone, I was going to say Poldy. And then, but in my head, he'd gone straight, and he obviously didn't. In my head, he'd just gone straight from Cologne to Arsenal. Mm. But obviously, so when you said Bayern, it kind of threw me for a second. Mm. And then obviously, Oli jumped in there. Yeah, when Cologne I, was at the club of his heart, wasn't he? Which is why I thought straight away. Yeah, long, long, a longer list of for, for, uh, any. Uh, the football nerds that are out there that want, that want to run through all of themselves after Arsenal into Milan. I didn't completely lost that one. Very short, very short spell Inter. Um, Galatasaray, Vissel. Did he go to Inter after Arsenal? I don't remember. Yeah. Him. Got, I know. I've got it. I've got it down here. Is the first the um, January to 2015 to June 2015. Like a little loan. Was it a loan? Yeah. yeah. And then, then back to Arsenal. It must have been a loan, but I just yeah, do no, not remember yeah. that happening. Um, Galatasaray, Vissel Kobe, well I think um, is Iniesta's team, isn't it? That Vissel Kobe in Japan. And then Antalya Spore, obviously. He loves, he loves Turkish football. I'll pop Holdy. But yeah, you're right. What a left foot that was. Right, chaps. Back, back for Everton. Tom will be there with, an in, with a little instant reaction for, for listeners after the game. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, always Arsenal. Always Arsenal. Take care. See you. Always Arsenal. Thanks, guys. Bye. Henri will have to do it alone. Oh! Sensational goal from Thierry Henry to secure a sensational result for Arsenal. Pires. Oh, what a shot. It's a fabulous goal from Robert Pires. It was in from the moment he hit it. Saka. Yeah!